We told you that U.S.-China tensions were here to stay, and now they're flaring again and with some important implications for an emerging markets view. Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert saren And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. And by sharing these perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of June 1st, 2020. How is it already June? Time truly has no meaning in the age of COVID. Well, time is certainly ticking on the international stage right now. Yeah, that's that's right. So today we're going to talk about China. Remember when we used to only talk about China, like all the time. Uh, Before COVID, one of the major risks was the US-China trade war. Um, And as we say all the time, risks are ever present in investing. But that risk waned a bit with the trade truce that was struck in the fall and winter of last year. But as expected, it never really went away. The New York Fed put out a study actually last week that showed trade wars contributed to a 0.3% decline in U.S. investment in China in 2019. Yeah, and they expect another 1.6% decline in 2020. Yeah, you know, tough on China is a bipartisan issue. And I think it's important to say that um, because it shows that it's probably not going away anytime soon. Um, And, you know, there's some there there when it comes to the U.S. concerns. Trade aside, there's concerns about intellectual property and technology and investment laws that are important. And China's become a major economy over the past 20 years and is going to be top of mind for U.S. foreign policy for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And it's not surprising to us that the uh, President Trump's administration is bringing China policy back to the forefront of the conversation Uh, The U.S. economy is really struggling, and even though that's no one's fault, uh, looking historically, it's not great for the incumbent during an election year uh, to have a bad economy. So trade policy is actually something that the administration can manage and highlight without the powers of Congress. And so doing it makes sense uh, right now while Congress is busy navigating other issues. Yeah, that's right. And so for now, we expect some clamoring with respect to investment rules in the U.S. case or, you know, Hong Kong in China's case, some of that saber rattling is going to continue. And China has improved national security law for Hong Kong already. So are you saying that it's going to escalate from there? Well, we've already seen some signs of escalation. The U.S. has reacted to this new national security rule by saying that it'll start to remove some special treatment for Hong Kong, imposing sanctions on individuals responsible for the policy. Um, and, And look, I think that there's likely to be a continued sort of true tension here. Um, for the, for the moment, uh, a lot of the, the sort of saber rattling has been policies promised rather than changes made, but, but I'd expect it to be here to stay. Yikes. Yeah. The, The important part though, is that the tensions are there, which weighs on the potential benefits of an emerging markets investment position. So 
you know, emerging markets, it's a complex set of countries with complex economic and investment drivers. So, you know, there's a lot to weigh there, but certainly this U.S.-China tensions are a damper. Now it's time for our Portfolio Pause, a section of the program where we share an investment idea. And today we're going to talk about FIFO, first in, first out. It's a concept normally used for accounting, valuing your invest uh, inventory goods and, and how much you're allowed to say you spend on them. But I think it's interesting to talk about during the current crisis too. If a country like China was the first to suffer from COVID, but also early to restart their economy after controlling COVID, then will they see an improvement in investment outcomes? Should we buy China or emerging markets more broadly? I'm not buying it. All right. Tell me more. All right. Well, maybe I'm just not jumping in with both feet. Uh, Yes, China was first to deal with the virus and now is first to see a significant pickup in activity, but that hasn't translated into equity outperformance And that's probably because there's other factors at play, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, like capital flows or foreign exchange. Um, But for that specifically, I don't think we have a good enough sense of the virus being truly under control, at least not yet. Um, China doesn't really have a permanent medical solution to this crisis more than anywhere else does. And China is still shut to international activity, uh, as well as many other countries are. And with rising tensions, both domestically and internationally, I just don't think that China FIFO investment theme is all that durable. Okay. So you're, you, you don't buy it because we just, you know, the, the drivers for that China FIFO trade just wouldn't necessarily hold. Um, but you don't necessarily disagree that China's economy has started to pick up quicker than in other places. Exactly. Okay. Um, I also do not buy the argument, but for a different set of reasons. Okay. Go for it. Um, the drivers of outperformance in emerging markets, again, as a complex and a complex group of countries are, include a couple of really big things. Is global growth picking up? Are U.S. monetary conditions looser than in other countries, allowing capital to flow out of the U.S. and into other higher yielding areas, such as emerging markets, um, is sort of the global risk preference in favor of taking on those higher yields or risky assets? And right now, the answer to all of those questions is no. Interesting. So so a different set of drivers that you're looking at for how an investor would want to specifically allocate their assets. And that actually surprises me because with the Federal Reserve and other central banks so accommodative, I would think that that would solicit risk-taking like in the emerging markets. Yeah. So the Fed has been super accommodative and has more firepower than a lot of other countries have have been able to show during this time. But in a global risk-off environment, so a crisis environment like we're facing, the U.S. is still a safe haven with higher return than other safe havens. And so that means capital flows towards the U.S. and U.S. dollar-priced assets, and therefore not so much towards emerging markets' assets. It's it's an uphill battle for emerging markets until global growth and thus China's growth, you know, very, very closely correlated, are, are moving durably upward. And if you add the potential political turmoil that we were talking at, about at the top of the program, uh, waters are a little murky. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, waters are definitely murky. And I think it's important to say, though, that we're not necessarily negative on this space at all. Um, 
control of the virus matters, economic recovery matters, policy stimulus matters, and all those things actually look quite positive for China. Yes, absolutely. Great point. Um, it's just it's just that going all in on China would probably be to ignore some of the other factors. So China FIFO counts. It's just up against a lot of other um, uh, big things. And, and that includes the, um, the health crisis that you mentioned. Yeah. So I think what we're saying is there's definitely some good opportunities in the EM complex, uh, especially if you can be agile and if you're paying attention to the real intricacies and differences across EM countries, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And valuations, as we've pointed out before, are not cheap, but they're cheaper than the US um, comparing the prices to relative earnings. And um, But we, did, we just don't see that unambiguously bullish case to invest there. Coming up this week, we have our investment committee meeting, so we'll look forward to sharing some takeaways from that. And I'm also going to be watching my girl, Christine Lagarde, with the European Central Bank press conference on Thursday. Do you expect anything big there? Uh, No, not necessarily. But elsewhere in the euro area, uh, last week there was an announcement that they're considering or a formal proposal, really, for corona bonds to help countries the most impacted by the virus. And, And from my perspective, it's, you know, a far cry from a total fiscal union, but it takes a pretty big tail risk off the table or takes us a step back from the ledge where the Euro area um, is so used to standing. That's very cool. Um, I will be watching the reopening data. Look, people have some serious lockdown fatigue. We can see examples of that everywhere. And so as states reopen, people are going to want to get back out there and do what they do best, which is consume And higher frequency data on mobility and dining out suggests that some consumers are gradually returning to normal levels of activity, which I think we can see. But you can't write off significant changes overall with society following the virus. So I'm going to be watching as several large venues like casinos and theme parks open in early June and to see what attendance looks like at these traditionally um, highly densely populated uh, venues. That's that's really, really interesting because I think, you know, one of the things we've been noting as a team is that reopening hasn't necessarily or really hasn't across the board meant a resurgence in activity. Um, I would love to go out and get a fancy coffee with you over a meeting and or a fancy cocktail, depending on what kind of uh, what kind of topic we're talking about. Uh, But it's that it's been slow. And I, I would imagine that things like theme parks are um, the, the slowest or, you know, the, the least important, highest risk. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what that looks like. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, look us up on social media. Yes. And you can send us your questions there or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com slash blog. But until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next week. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. 
For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.